The psalm is titled, The Heritage of the Righteous, or The Inheritance of the Righteous, and The Calamity of the Wicked. It's a psalm of David, and it starts out, um, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Uh, so he kind of got this uh, almost late 1800s type language. Fret not, you know, <laughs> do not fret. Um, and uh, it's repeated, I think, three times or so in this chapter. This do not fret, do not fret. Is there anybody tonight just, you are fretting? <laughs> there is a little bit of fret in your heart. Maybe you don't even know what fret means. <laughs> Actually, I did look it up and it was, these things on a guitar these are called frets but that's not exactly what it's talking about uh it means don't be angry because of evildoers don't be enraged don't compete uh and don't be moved to zealous uh, a zealous action or move towards zeal because of evildoers uh nor be envious of the workers of iniquity that means Obviously, don't be jealous is how we obviously think of envy. Or, uh, envy. But it also means don't get heated. Uh, don't become excited and move towards being annoyed by these things or being hurt uh, or having some kind of a fight against them. Uh, so don't be angry and rage, compete, you know, uh, get heated and excited about these evildoers and the workers in iniquity and the idea is you're just getting yourself worked up. Uh, you're worrying. You're getting your eyes off the Lord, and you're going to try to take matters in your own hands. You're going to try to figure it out yourself. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 73 really goes into this, and uh, you can kind of you could remember these tie together because Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, just back and forth, right? That's helpful for me. I just quickly want to read this uh, Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than a heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence for all day long. I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I'll speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. And so the psalmist is just getting his eyes on the world, getting his eyes on the prosperity of the wicked and thinking that, you know, they just seem like they, they've got it. And here I am, you know, I'm being corrected by the Lord. I'm repenting from sin. I'm mourning over sin. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving away my resources to the kingdom of God. I'm not, you know, 
how, they're winning. They're winning, you know, and that just doesn't seem right. And why am I even doing this? And man, if we just spend time meditating on that, like that closed out there, that's only like a part of the psalm. Uh, it would have been too painful for me. That If we begin to think that way, it'll be too much. And so that is one reason why we constantly need to be, verse 17 is key here. All of that was until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. That at best, that is temporary. Uh, their eternity will be um, plagued and torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not to mention their uh, so often the Lord does bring his chastening hand upon them on this side of eternity. And so we're warned by David not to fall into that type of a wondering and pondering. How is it that they are successful and they're just getting wealthy and they're able to just live in blatant immorality and debauchery and seems like they're just getting the pleasure and not me, man, I'm afflicting my body, you know. I'm spending a week fasting. I'm, you know, this is just... And, and we can especially see it in this day and age when we've got Facebook, you know, and people are just like, let me just me, 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 me all over your face and just look what I do. And I mean, it's easy to just be like, oh, man, they're, they're living wicked lives, but it's, it seems like they're prospering in that. Don't fret about it, you guys. Don't fret about that and don't be envious of that. And in this chapter, we're going to see just like... Uh, the writer David will go between, here's what the wicked are going to be experiencing, and here's what the righteous are. Here's what the wicked, here's what the righteous. He's going to go back and forth between that. And verse 2 tells us, starting out with the wicked, they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Um, Psalm 92.7 says, when the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the work- workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. And so that it's like the Lord gives them these periods of success to, to be able to say how great was the fall. And uh, it's kind of like Babylon in the book of Revelation, how Babylon is just this merchant economy that just grows and grows and grows with uh, just all sorts of immoral pagan practices and marketing and religion and idolatry. And it just gets big to where all the eyes are on Babylon. And then the Lord judges Babylon and brings it to nothing to where people say, whoa, whoa, Babylon. You know, the, the, how great was its fall. The Lord was able to just humble uh, this economic uh, system, market, uh, religious and economic system. Um, James 1.1 speaks of this. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. So time and time again in the word, we just see how temporal this life is and focusing on the flesh. It's going to fade uh, just like a flower, just like the grass. Uh, you know, I work so hard in the early spring and summer to get my lawn all green, and I've got the clock on the timer, and it's just set, and it goes off every morning. And then somehow I'll walk around the corner one day and this whole side of my house is, is yellow. You know, and you're, how'd that even happen? You know, it was good the last time I mowed this and it's all yellow. It's just that quickly that it just dies and goes away. And the Lord wants us to be remembering that. We're going to come across that concept again when we get down to verse 20. Here we have now 
flipping back over to the righteous, it says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. So the righteous are actually, it's interesting, it goes from what's going to happen to the wicked to what the righteous need to do in this time. Instead of fretting and being envious, we're called to do some other things. In all this time, we need to trust in the Lord, be doing good. We're going to see that twice in this chapter. Doing good, dwelling in the land, and feeding on his faithfulness. So just spending time in the land of the Lord, um, trusting and relying upon him, being confident in him. And the word feed here, uh, it's uh, the word re. And it speaks of shepherd and shepherding. It's interesting that it's translated feed on his faithfulness um, because the whole definition of it means that uh, all these different shepherding connotations that uh, graze on his faithfulness, be driven out to pasture on his faithfulness, be protected by his faithfulness, be enabled by his faithfulness, and even be trimmed like a sheep is shaved. Uh, that word feed, ray can mean to be pruned and trimmed, and it's the idea of, you know, shearing a sheep. And so kind of a lot there when you're just thinking of feeding on his faithfulness. It's like let the faithfulness of God bring you through this time where you're not worried about those guys. Let him just usher you and lead you and feed you, and it's going to be rough. It's going to be times where you're trimmed down and you're feeling naked like, I just got sheared, you know. Uh, But, man, you got to trust in the Lord right now. It doesn't seem right. But uh, he is honest, he is steady, he is true, and you can feed upon that. Verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So trust, do good, dwell, feed, and now delight. Um, Means pamper or refresh yourself in the Lord. Take pleasure in the Lord and have fun in the Lord is what it's literally translated. You can have fun in the Lord, in these times, delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of uh, your heart. Um, we're going to come to Isaiah 58 a couple times tonight. Isaiah 58, we often find ourselves there when we're um, preparing to fast or when we are fasting. It's that great fasting chapter of the fast that the Lord has chosen. Um, but in that, learning to delight ourselves in the Lord uh, rather than in the flesh. Look at what Isaiah 58, 13, and 14 says. I'm going to kind of have you guys start reading a little. Aaron, will you take this section? So, you know, as New Testament Christians, oftentimes we just disregard, you know, the, the call to Sabbath, to, to honoring the Sabbath, and to rest in the Lord. And, you know, we kind of think, oh, the Lord's done away with that. But the Lord didn't come to deal away with the law, but to fulfill the law. And we find our Sabbath rest in Jesus. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. We can now delight in him, not on Saturday, but on every day of the week. Uh, We give ourselves to him and we delight in him. And when we're doing that, he will give us the desires of our heart. Uh, I love that that Isaiah passage says, if you call the Sabbath a delight, then I'm going to give you all the desires of your heart. And when Jesus says to the Pharisees, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Who are we to make our delight now? Jesus. And if we would do that daily, not just Saturday, daily, he'll give us those desires of our heart. And by the way, those desires are going to be his desires. As you're just spending that time with him and delighting in him, 
You're not going to delight in those. Uh, you're not going to desire those things that will pull you away from him, but rather draw you towards him. Uh, Matthew six thirty three. Blaine, you get a teeny one, buddy. Man, how we forget that, right? This is in the passage about don't worry about tomorrow, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added to you. And we forget. We start worrying. We start being anxious. We forget the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and how much he loves us in comparison to them. He's going to take care of us. He's going to bring those needs. And all of that is in the context of seeking first the kingdom of God, delighting in him. He'll give you all the things that you need. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So, trust, do good, dwell, feed, delight, commit, and again, trust. So, commit speaks of, uh, I love this, rolling down, or rolling on, rolling off, or rolling up. (laughs) There's a whole lot of rolling going on rolling your ways over to the Lord. It's yours. Ball's in your court, Lord. I'm giving you all of me, all my ways. They're over there to you. Uh, Psalm 55, 22, Adam. So commit your way to the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord. Roll your burden down, on, off, and up upon the Lord. And then Peter takes this as well and says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Jeremy. So in, in Peter's thing there, uh, casting means throw on uh, or to roll over onto. And so there's this casting of your cares upon the Lord. And then I like what version is it that says casting your cares on the Lord for they are his cares. They're his cares. Don't try to roll them back over on yourself. Give them over to him. They are his cares. And the word cast means to stop worrying about it and trust. Verse 6, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. And as we go back to that Isaiah 58, the fasting passage, delighting in the Lord. Isaiah 58, 8 through 10, Delina. So, uh, see the light that he's going to bring just as the noonday. He's going to lighten us up and illuminate us. And uh, verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So, we've got trust, do good, dwell, feed, delight, commit, trust again. Rest in the Lord, now verse 7 says. Wait. Again, do not fret. So there's things that we're called to do uh, in these times. We're to be resting. That just means to be motionless, to stand still, and to keep quiet. You know, just think right now about those things that you're fretting about, you're starting to get heated up about, you're worrying about, you're anxious about, you're frustrated about. And you're fretting about them. And how right now would the Lord be speaking to you? You just need to rest. You just need to stand still and be quiet. Lamentations 3.26. So was it Meredith? Marilyn. Okay, I have a note thing right here that says names from church. And I'm going to write it down so I don't have to. (laughs) Okay, would you read this? This is uh, Lamentations 3.26. And I just really feel like that is what the Lord wants us to do tonight. 
it is good to hope and wait quietly. I really feel like tonight, for me, it's just a time to just rest in the Lord. Remember the Psalm 73? All that turmoil until I came into the sanctuary of the Lord. Just let that happen tonight. Let the Lord do that in you guys tonight. Uh, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And we're told in our psalm tonight to also wait patiently for him. And it's interesting, that's not quite as pleasant as the rest one where you're motionless and you're just kind of uh, being still. But wait patiently means to be in labor, to writhe, to tremble, and to bring something forth through labor. And so just you can picture the pain, you gals know, you know the pain of labor, something good is going to come, but you've got to go through this period of pain here where you've got, you can't do anything, but just let this thing take its course and there will be joy at the end of it all. Um, again, we see, do not fret. And in all of this, David is writing about, there's guys in our lives who are wicked and they appear to be prospering. It seems their wicked schemes are coming to pass. And he says, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't fret. But get your eyes on the Lord. Do good. And all of those things that he's calling us to do. Verse 8, there's a couple more things here. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. As I came to the Bible study this morning, and I was in a place where I was angry. I wanted to be wrathful. I was very much fretting. I was very much envious of the wicked and guys who've had plans and it seems they're coming to pass. And I just was hurt and I was in pain and I wanted to cry and I wanted to be mad and I wanted to just get a bunch of people and just stir up just a whole bunch of frustration and all of that. And here was my text today that I got to just camp out in. And the Lord was like, Rory, this is for you if it's not for anybody else, man. You just need to stop it. You got to stop it. You need to cease from the anger, which means to lay it down and to lower it and to relent and leave it alone. That was for me. And maybe that's for you and whatever you're going through. You got to leave it alone. And uh, you've got to forsake that wrath that you want, which in the days of frozen, we got to love that it means let it go. <laughs> thought of doing for our worship song and I let it go let it no I didn't really but <laughs> bring the kids out let them dance to it that'd be great um but abandon it let it go all of that venom all of that rage all of that poison you've got to let it go and what a word of wisdom from David and this is a guy who knows it only causes harm nothing good comes out of that it only causes harm and then, you know, there's this hop back over. We've been looking at, okay, righteous, this is what you need to be doing. But you got to know, too, that, man, the wicked, they're going to get theirs. <laughs> okay? The wicked, verse 9, the evildoers shall be cut off or destroyed. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the land. Okay? So there's destruction in their, in their uh, future. But if you're going to spend this time resting, waiting, as uh, Marilyn just read, it is good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. You're going to inherit the earth. That's a 
big inheritance. That is a large inheritance. They'll be destroyed, but uh, easy. Will you read Isaiah 60, verse 21? The Lord is going to take care of this. He's going to uh, bring the glory over that. Um, I think I actually was supposed to read Isaiah 60, 22. I might have mistyped that. Also, your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. And Revelation 5.10, easy read this since I had you read the wrong one. This is a prayer from Revelation uh, where we're all before the throne of God, worshiping the Lord. He has made us kings and priests, and we will reign on the earth. So as Christians, we have an inheritance of the earth. If we're going to wait on the Lord, if we're going to trust in the Lord and rest in the Lord, there's a whole global inheritance for us. And that's encouraging to me. You know, my dad died when I was 19, and our ranch was in debt, and when he had cancer, he signed the power of attorney over to our uh, my grandma and grandpa, and they just signed his name to everything and heaped up upon our family a whole bunch of debt and bankruptcy and all this stuff, and uh, and everything that we were supposed to receive as a family when my dad died as, as young kids and stuff uh, was gone, and so never had like that big glorious inheritance, you know, Bill Gates wasn't my dad, you know, or whatever. And you know what? It doesn't matter. God has never, ever let me, I'm obviously not going hungry, but you know, <laughs> you know, we have an inheritance that the New Testament says is incorruptible and undefiled, and it will never be taken by the loan collectors. You know, um, it will be there for us if we will wait in the Lord and trust on him. Again, the wicked for yet a little while. And the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. You know, you're going to go by that shop, you know, that sold that stuff. And it won't be there anymore one day. You know, you're going to go by that that place. You're going to go by those people and and their plans. You know, they might have the biggest booths in the world, the biggest setup or festival or whatever. And one day it will not be there anymore and will be found nowhere. Um. But the meek, and we're going to see that more in verse 36, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And of course, we recognize that, right? From the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus quotes it. Corrine, uh, will you want to read that? The meek will inherit the earth. The humble, even the afflicted, will inherit the earth and shall, again, delight themselves in all of this widespread peace. Verse 12, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. And the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. We studied a verse this Sunday in Psalm 2-4 that says, The Lord, uh, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. He mocks and is entertained by the wicked uh, trying to set up their plans to destroy the righteous and even to destroy the Lord God. And so the Lord laughs at that. He knows the wicked day is coming. Verse 14, 15, and 16. The wicked have drawn the sword, have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. And time and time again, we see, uh, even last Wednesday, that the wicked will stumble in their own pit that they've dug. They will trip up in their own net that they've laid. That's how the Lord judges in righteousness. Uh, And we see in uh, just what we just read, that the wicked sword will enter their own heart. Whatever they're devising 
that is wicked, it, they're going to come, it's going to come back on them. Um, verse 16, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Good, it's almost a proverb. In fact, Proverbs 15, 16, and 17. Susan, will you read this? And so it's better to have the Lord and to be walking in righteousness. And there will be great gain in that. You know, especially in our heart, he will sustain us. And, and I love what um, Proverb Susan just read that, man, better to have just a little herb broth for dinner, you know, than to have fatted calf but be in the midst of the wicked uh, and those that are hatred, full of hatred. Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken but the Lord upholds the righteous. So we have the wicked, their arms are going to be broken. The, the righteous, they'll be upheld. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. So again, there's an inheritance for those that are upright. Verse 19, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Then we have the wicked, but the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke they shall vanish away it's uh reminiscent of verse two back there of the grass that just withers and fades and burns away verse 21 the wicked borrows and does not repay but the righteous shows mercy and gives and so the wicked are looking what they can get out of someone but the righteous looks for what he can give someone uh, Psalm 112, verses 5 and 9. Tabitha, will you read these? So the Lord is that great example of a generous, righteous one. Kind of with that in mind, Deuteronomy 15. Got a few verses, Pam, for you to read there. So just the word there, just of generous hearts when uh, our brothers among us are in need. Verse 22, for those blessed by him shall inherit the earth. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. We're going to see that on Sunday in Psalm 40. It won't be this Sunday. It'll be next Sunday. Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. And just a good word for us, good men and good women. Uh, our steps are ordered by the Lord. They're uh, set instability verse 24 though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the lord upholds him with his hand and so i like this because there's the fall even though a man falls which speaks of collapsing and dropping um, the lord's not a going to allow a good man to actually be thrown down or to be hurled or removed is the difference there so it's just a good word for us that, you know, we're going to stumble as believers, as born-again Christians. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But by God's gracious hand, uh, he's going to not allow us to be cast down and thrown out. Uh, just some good uh, assurance there. Uh, as we go through times of struggle, he's going to work out repentance in our life and bring us back onto the stable path. Verse 25, For I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. How cool to see David the king able to attest to God's faithfulness and how he provides for the righteous. I, don't you love that? It's like a grandpa saying, I've been young in my whole life. Now I'm old. 
And if someone is following hard after the Lord, God will provide for him. And that's the testimony of the Lord. Verse 26, he's ever merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. And it was here in my study today that the Lord just like gave me a little slap on the face (laughs) or a little bit of a sugar, 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 waking me up. Because as I had been reading it, I'd been reading it as I'm the righteous man. So there's me and I'm righteous and God's doing this for me. And Lord, show me where I'm not righteous, right? But thank you that you made me righteous and, and I'm kind of the hero of this text. And then there's the wicked and we all know who they are. But I'm, you know, thank you, God, I'm the righteous. And then the Lord said, hey, Rory, just remember here real quick. Who is the one who does good and was obedient to the Father? And all these things we've been learning that the righteous man will do. Who is the one that was generous and gave? Who is the one who is ever merciful and has given? And who's the one whose descendants are ever blessed? Who, who is that? Rory, it's not you, just so you know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Jesus. And, and so let's just read some of these verses from the New Testament regarding this. Uh, Aaron, I think we're back around the horn to you, buddy. And so God, you know, the triune God, He's the father of mercies. He's the, he's the source there. Blaine, uh, Titus 1.4. So grace comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is gifts. Gifts come from him. Mercy comes from him. Peace comes from him. Jude 21. There's only one chapter. So it's just six. We're going to, for the sake of time, hop over this. But it, it shows us the uh, Sermon on the Mount as far as once again, it's Jesus who's the one who lends. It's Jesus is the one. Um, well, let's read it. Luke 6, 30 uh, through 36. Marilyn, would you mind? And just such a good section of scripture right there. From the lips of Jesus himself, from the teachings of Jesus, the righteous is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. It's not talking about Rory in and of himself. That is Jesus And man, by his grace, we can reflect that. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, how the scriptures don't just tell us, hey, depart from evil, but it says depart from evil and now move towards doing good. Paul tells Timothy that in two different places, flee youthful lusts, but then go and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Verse 28, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. What is that, the third time that we've read that? Maybe fourth? The righteous shall inherit the land. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. Again, Jesus, man, this is all Jesus. He's going to inherit the world He is the one that speaks wisdom. He's the one that when he talked, all the people around him said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Jesus is that great, true, righteous man we're reading about tonight. Verse 31, the law of God, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Just like he says in Matthew 5, 17, don't think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. The law is in my heart. Verse 32, the wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Verse 34, wait on the Lord. 
believe this is like the third time we've seen wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. I'm losing count here. (laughs) And when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So wait on the Lord or hope in the Lord or the language speaks of waiting in ambush on the Lord to jump him when he shows up. Verse 35, I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. So David had already said that, but you know, just think of the wicked growing like a, we got those goat heads around here, and they just like, one little seed, and then like, boom, they spread like a ground cover so quickly. It's amazing how fast those things go, and they just take over. And you see the wicked growing like a green, just spreading out. And it just seems like they're never going to end. They're always going to win. They're just always going to be in power. And, you know, and, and David's just like, they're going to get their end. And you will not be able to find the source of those goat heads one day. Praise God. <clears throat> those are great illustrations of sin, right? Uh, verse 37, now the righteous says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. You see the, the difference there? The wicked man, he's going to be cut off. You're not even going to be able to find anything about him anymore. You think of Hitler. I mean, that's really like how his end ended, even though he was like a king for so long. It's gone. It's gone. There's nothing left of him. And here we have the blameless man, though. That the future of that man is peace. Verse 38, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Might close with that, underlining that because they trust him. It starts out saying, wait on the Lord, trust in the Lord. And it ends with, see what I'll do if you trust in me. And I was just thinking of Daniel after he uh, lived the night through the lion's den and the king came and found him and was so excited that he was alive. Uh, it says that uh, Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. 